We are on episode two in a three-week series on idolatry, and I am super excited about today's episode. I'm going to be talking about a Bible passage that I'm going to bet you have never heard before, because I know when I heard it talked about in a message several years ago, I couldn't believe that I had never taken note of it, and I think it will really help Um, to reshape the way you maybe think about beauty and vanity and the part that it plays in your life. So enjoy today's episode. I pray that it enriches your life. Hey, it's Amber Helvey Swenson, wife, mother, worrier, overthinker, type A, holding on to God and his promises to get me through the day. Thanks for joining me to explore everyday issues from a biblical perspective so we can all know and love God more. Today's episode is called The Idol of Vanity. We are going to talk about how much our worshiping of beauty plays into our everyday life. And then, of course, what we want to do about it. So back several years ago now, I was listening to Back to the Bible. Warren Wearsby was teaching in the book of Exodus, and he read a passage that clearly I had read before, but it meant absolutely nothing to me, is from Exodus chapter 38, verse 8, and it says this, They made the bronze basin and its bronze stand from the mirrors of the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Now, the note in my study Bible says this, Mirrored glass was unknown in ancient times, but highly polished bronze gave adequate reflection. So what impressed me about this, and I don't know why this is not talked about more often, but this impressed me because, you know, these women couldn't just head to Walmart and get another mirror. They had left Egypt and they had these bronze bowls or pieces of bronze plates, whatever they were, that they were able to see the reflection in. And they hadn't arrived in Canaan yet. And they didn't know at this point that they would still be in the wilderness or in the desert for 40 years. They hadn't experienced that yet, but they were just somewhere between Egypt and Canaan. And they were building this this tabernacle. And Moses had asked for contributions from people. And and so right in the middle of all these um, verses and chapters that talk about the contents of the tabernacle and how they would be built and what they were for, we have this one specific verse that says, hey, by the way, the women who worked at the tent of meeting, they gave up their mirrors to make the basin that the priests used to wash in before they entered the tabernacle. Ah... They gave up their mirrors. Now, I don't know how many times you look in a mirror throughout the day, but um, I would say for most of us, it's it's pretty regular. (laughs) We do it often. So you do it in the morning when you get ready and, you know, you do your hair by it or put your makeup on and uh, make sure there isn't a piece of broccoli in your teeth. And every time you go to the bathroom, you stop and look at the mirror and you make sure your hair is still the way it's supposed to be and you brush your teeth. And I mean, all throughout the day, we're looking at ourselves, right? And these women gave up their mirrors because they saw that there was a bigger purpose than what they looked like. And that 
just seems astonishing to me. In fact, so astonishing that I, I wonder if I could do this. I don't know. I mean, I wish I could. I don't know. If we are going to be totally honest, when we look at American society, and I'm not going to look at societies around the world because I live in America, but if you look at American society, the way we look is huge. We put a lot of time and effort into looking a certain way, right? So that we're attractive to other people. So at my age, I'm mid 40s. At my age, you know, women put a lot of time into their haircut and their hair colors and, uh, you know, skincare to try to ward off all the wrinkles that are coming. And we go to the gym and we work out because we want to try to not um, let all those calories we like to eat stay on our bodies. You know, we are obsessed with the way people look. In fact, Magazines put a lot of time into trying to catch catch celebrities looking their worst so that they can show us pictures of them. Oh, look what they look, really look like. There's nothing like, you know, the way you see them when they're in the movie or whatever. And I mean, it is crazy, our obsession with looks. And when I think of women who are willing to give up their mirrors, not knowing when they'd be able to get another mirror, and they're just like, well, oh, well. God needs it, so I guess I can give it up. That really speaks to me. So the word vanity means excessive pride in or admiration of one's own appearance or achievements. God doesn't put a lot of uh, glory in the way that we look. In fact, very few times in the Bible does he even mention the way anybody looked. There were people who had Um, great looks, who were beautiful, and God made sure that we knew about it. And there was a purpose for why he told us that (laughs) Esther became queen. He made her that way for a reason. He had a big, big job for her. She had a role to fill. Daniel was very good looking. Him and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were all good looking. You couldn't serve in the king's court at that time without being good looking. So we know that they were good looking, but again, it served a purpose. God made sure that we knew that Joseph looked very nice, and that's why Potiphar's wife was sort of into him. And so, you know, a few times in the Bible, we're told that people looked good. And there was a reason for God letting us know that. But by and large, he didn't put any value on that. Look at what he told Samuel when he went to anoint David. He said, man looks at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. So studies have showed, shown that actually good-looking people earn up to 12% more than mediocre or not-so-good-looking people. Um, There was a study, there was a paper that was published in 2005 by Mobius and Rosenblatt that showed that teachers give more attention to better-looking kids, if you can believe that. I just find that so incredibly sad because those kids tend to have more confidence and therefore greater skills as they go up. They they get more attention from their teachers. They put more time into investing in them. And then these other kids who are already starting out, um, maybe not looking as great as someone else, we just give them one more kick in the shin. 
Um, in 2011, Harvard did a study, and the participants only had pictures to look at. Okay, that's all they that's that's all they were given, and they were asked to share what they thought about each of these pictures that they saw. So the participants said that the pictures of women who were well-groomed and that their you know makeup and their hair looked really good, they thought that those women were more competent, likable, and trustworthy. All I have to say to that is let me remind you that Jezebel wore makeup. And my guess is that Herodias's daughter, um, Salome, or Salome, I'm not sure how you say it, she danced and pleased Herod and his guests. You know, I bet she looked pretty good too, but she also asked for John the Baptist's head on a platter. So clearly, um, more likable, more trustworthy, because they look better than someone else. That's crazy. And yet, that's, that's the way the world looks at things. So how are we supposed to be different? If we're not going to be led by this vanity, how are we going to be different? I don't know if there's anyone out there who um, has an unbelieving spouse. But the Apostle Peter tells us something that is totally radical when it comes to our culture. Because he says, listen, if you want to win your husband to Christ, then this is his advice. Be submissive to your husband so that if any of them do not believe the word, they can be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a quiet and gentle spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight." Great worth. What's in what's of great worth to God? Uh, your gentle and quiet spirit. That's of great worth to God. It's amazing. Peter did not say, look, if you have an unbelieving husband, what you should probably do is go on a diet, get a new haircut, make sure you're painting your nails. No. No, he said, um, win them over without world words with your submissive spirit and with the purity and reverence of your lives and with a gentle and quiet spirit. What does that look like exactly? What does it look like to have a not loud, not harsh, not make me the center of attention spirit? Well, it looks a lot like Jesus. Jesus didn't draw attention to himself. People ran to him mostly a lot of times for the wrong reasons. They wanted something from him. They had heard that he was able to heal or they heard about him feeding the 5,000 and they were looking for a miracle or they wanted something from him. But Jesus didn't go around doing miracles to make himself look good. He did it to serve others, to free them from the infirmities that had held them down for so long. He had compassion on the people. He fed them when they'd been with him far away from food and they were hungry. Jesus didn't have any vanity. His purpose was to serve and to glorify his father. And you know, we notice also with Daniel in Babylon, 
I've been working through the book of Daniel uh, for a while now. And so I am taken aback by the way that Daniel acted. We know that Daniel was good looking when he at least came to Babylon. Surely he aged throughout the years and um, likely didn't look exactly the same as he did as a teenager, but he was good looking and yet he had this incredible attitude. He spoke to people with wisdom and tact. He didn't demand things. He went and he asked for permission from the official so that he wouldn't have to eat the king's food that was sacrificed to idols that went against Jewish law. He asked for permission. He asked him if he could test him and see what he looked like after 10 days when when the official was sympathetic, but he was like, hey, my head is on the line. You're <laughs> like, if you look worse than the other guys, then the king's going to chop off my head. So Daniel said, hey, I'll tell you what, why don't we test it? And let, let's just see how we look after 10 days. And if we look good and if we look healthy, then let us do things our way. And the official said, absolutely, why not? The executioner showed up to kill Daniel and his friends. And Daniel starts talking to him with wisdom and tact. How tactful are you? Do you talk to people with sensibility, with sensitivity? Do you say things in a way that is polite and that really takes the other person's um, feelings into consideration? We're not talking about not speaking the truth. We're talking about speaking the truth in love. So often, Christians can be accused of speaking the truth without a shred of love. And that that's not the quiet and gentle spirit that God sees of great worth. Um, and quiet and gentle doesn't mean that you don't speak up. Listen, Daniel and his friends spoke up. Daniel and his friends stood apart. When they, you know, were asked to do things that dishonored God, they made sure to make a point to not do it and to say, no, we're not going to do that because that would dishonor our God. So it doesn't mean that you don't mention things. It doesn't mean that you don't speak up when you think see things that are wrong. It just means that when you do speak up, you do so in such a way that you don't offend the other person and that you honor God. And I just want to ask, I mean, when you get ready for your day, are you taking into consideration what God finds of great value and worth? Or are you taking into consideration what the world finds of great value and great worth? Because it's going to look very, very different, our morning routine, depending on who we're trying to please. See, if we're worried about what we look like, then we're going to get up in the morning and we're going to do all the things that make us look better. You know, we're going to put the time into you doing our hair and our makeup and working out and, and making sure we're just so before we leave the house. But maybe we haven't spent any time with God. If we're going to align ourselves with God, if we're going to put God first, if we're going to um, have that heart that God looks and sees that our motives are pure and he, he sees that we're walking with him and that we, we want to walk with him, well, we're going to be getting up and we're going to be spending some time in the word and we're going to be praying and asking for God to help us. And we're going to be asking for God, God's help to notice the people in our life who need to hear about him. We're going to not make ourselves the center of attention. We're going to be seeking people to serve throughout the day. And it's going to look very, very 
differently. The Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says, Our purpose is to please God, not people. He is the one who examines the motives of our hearts. We can be consumed with how we look, and man, there are plenty of people who are. There are plenty of Christians even who, you know, won't get in front of a camera unless they look a certain way or, you know, you have to take four or five pictures to make sure you have the right angle and you look just so. But, you know, um, God's not looking at if you have gray hair or if there's more wrinkles than there were two years ago. He's not looking to see if you have a muffin top or or if you've gained a little weight. He looks at your heart. He wants to know what your motives are. He cares about what you want to do with what you've been given. And I'm telling you, those ladies from the tent of meeting, I can't wait to meet them someday in heaven. I can't wait to meet them and say, you know, what you did was pretty incredible. And it made a lasting impression on me. And I wanted to be more like you. Let's not worship the idol of vanity. Instead, let's worship God and put our time and our energy and our money and our focus into serving him. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things.